Podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Hello, 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 Oilers fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. Kyle, how are you doing, man? Good. Happy to be back. We had a two-week break, so or a week break, I guess, off. Uh, yeah, starting to get back into work now, so I feel like I have a bit more of a routine again. So it's it's going good, I guess. Not just hold up in the apartment for weeks on ends anymore. Oh my god, dude! I feel like such a goddamn <laughs> recluse. I I feel like I was on. Uh, well, not that I, I don't know. Stupid comparing to that, but I feel like you know in South. Uh, oh my god, Antarctica. Sorry, how they yeah. talk about like the researchers getting cabin fever being inside like i feel like i'm going through that are you comparing uh, yourself to a researcher in antarctica right now (laughs) i mean i get the cabin fever but like you're in a city come on now (laughs) yeah yeah i know i'm just busting your balls but i mean i don't know it's still still, everything's quite closed here it's i don't know no i feel you it's not not what it was though yeah but i I just like at least the industry i'm in i i work in the restaurant industry right so it's uh it's it's a hard transition trying to find some like i have a job but i mean it's it's hours or not what it was right right? so it's just yeah it's a hard transition that's all i know honestly i can't i can't rip or anything because like i've been the one of the lucky few that you know was was great to just work right through so I really, it's not really my place to criticize either. I'm just busting your balls, but I can I, imagine yeah, it's I mean, pretty tough yeah. to be cooped up like that. <laughs> yeah. But how you been? Speaking, sorry, go ahead. I just said, how you been? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm trying this uh, this White Claw with a little bit of Pig Whitney in it. Not going to lie, it's not very good, but you know, you got to experiment sometimes. But uh, speaking of that week off we had... Um, as I'm sure any of our listeners probably noticed in the last few episodes, my voice has been extremely, extremely bad and just struggling in that sense. And honestly, it's been pretty shitty for like six months. So this week I, uh, you know, made some lifestyle changes that were pretty minor, but seem to be doing way better. So I'm, I'm relieved there and hopefully we don't have any, you know, issues moving forward. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad, bad. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully you're on the mend and, and we can hear your beautiful pipes here for the future. Yeah. And like, I mean, the worst part is, is especially through a pandemic, because I wasn't sick. Like I had gotten a COVID test um, right before I moved out here. So it would have been like June, start of July, I think. And I'd gotten tested and had no symptoms throughout this whole pandemic or anything. So I, it, I don't think it was related, but the worst part of that was just, you could tell with the with the understandable fear in society right now, you could tell anytime my voice had issues talking to people in everyday life, they were concerned, right? They're like, uh, are you feeling okay? Like, why is your voice like that? And I'm like, oh, my vocal cords are just mega fucked up. Like, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah. Was- I'm, I'm just out here suppressing my weed coughs and you're like walking around like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't even smoke weed anymore or anything. I haven't in quite a long, long time, so... Man, I, I don't yeah. know what's going on there, but yeah, hopefully it all goes well. But, um, but yeah, other than that, man, I've been good. I've been settling into Montreal pretty well. I bought a bike uh, about two weeks ago and I haven't been on a bike in like well over 10 years since I was like a young teenager or preteen. So that's been really nice. I've honestly been thoroughly enjoying it, biking around the area and, 
you get to check out a lot of like different places that you don't usually get to check out when you're on a bike, right? So there's so many gorgeous parks and stuff and down well, I mean, I don't, and all that crap. I don't even have a bike, but just in general, like with the, the pandemic alone, I did so much walking um, mm-hmm. this summer. Just just being able to actually know the world around me compared to, I don't know, when, I'm, when I feel like I'm working a job, I come home, I spend my two days like inside, can't do anything. I just want to recover from all the work I did. And, uh, and I don't go explore the back alleys that I never would, right? So, yeah, with a bike, like I know there's so many good paths and canals here in Montreal that it was, it's kind of been built for you to bike around the city. Yeah. Um, it's definitely so I, like I'm a sure there's some beautiful city. areas. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's funny you touch on that because I've talked with my coworkers a lot about this and, you know, not to get like super sidetracked. Don't worry, folks, we are going to get into some hockey talk here, but kind of as we're introing and, and BS in here, Kyle, like I'm not a guy that struggles with like chronic depression or anything like that. My, uh, my sympathy and empathy for out, you know, and for anyone that does struggle with that on a regular basis, but man, just the lifestyle stuff is something that just, it affects me so much. And I think most people are like that where you get into that routine of exactly what you said, where you're like, you have your two days off a week or whatever, and you don't do anything. I mean, I'm enjoying a long weekend, but <clears throat> I haven't been out of the hotel since I got off on Friday, really. So I, I know that once we're done recording here, I'm going to be going for a bike ride and just get out um, and try and be active. Cause man, I know that's something that just wears on me when I get into that, like, go to work, go home, play video games, watch hockey. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoy doing those things, but when I'm not active and I'm not getting outside and doing anything, it, it definitely has a, a big effect on my mental health. Yeah, no doubt. I think, uh, to, to be quite honest, uh, there should have been a lot more recommendations from, I mean, I, I know everybody knows that you should be going outside and getting sunlight, get going for a walk and, and all that. Right. But how drastic sorry drastic of an effect that can have on your mental health well and and it does it obviously does right like i mean yeah you should be staying inside and quarantining yourself away from people and social distancing and all that right but but yeah they should have been pushing for more people to healthily exercise and get sunlight i never really seen that as a recommendation anywhere other than knowing it kind of or knowing you i did see it at times but i mean even like getting into the controversy of what golfing was in Alberta, right? Where the, like the courses were all closed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously there's more important things. And like you said, it's important to self-isolate, but I mean, I should say socially distance. Like it's important to self-isolate if you have symptoms or if you've traveled or something like that. But I completely agree. Like, especially when you take away that major socialization that we have as humans, yeah. I, I think there, there should have been a way bigger push you know, to get outside and, you know, do it safely, obviously, but go enjoy some parts of your city, especially as the weather got nicer, you know, towards the start of this pandemic. So I I do think in Alberta, like I know you've been in Quebec this whole time, so I'm not too sure what the coverage has been like out here. But if I remember correctly, I do think Hinshaw was talking about that, that it's like, hey, just because we're socially distancing doesn't mean you need to like lock down in your house for a month you know, like go out, enjoy the fresh air, but just go into areas where it's not heavily populated, which yeah. obviously you living in like more or less central Montreal is easier said than done with how many people live. There. Oh my God. Well, it's insane, dude. Like, I mean, I have been walking around obviously, but, and, and everybody has, that's a thing. Um, it, It's not like it's not hard to stay away from people. If you go to the, 
busy streets, you know, St. Catharines or Wellington or wherever you're, you're walking like you're in the middle of a shopping mall. It's insane. Uh, yeah. Like there's definitely no social distancing in some areas of the city, like every city. Right. Um, yeah. Which I don't know. It's a crazy situation, dude. You just so try to try to big. keep as positive and healthy as you can and just get as much exercise as you can. But yeah, I, I think it would have been nice not to criticize too much for what anybody's done through the pandemic. It's a, you know, crazy situation, but I mean, yeah, CBC even putting on like, calisthenic things for old people just to do something i don't know anything dude just like i I, there should have been more of a push i feel like yeah there's going to be a lot of mental health challenges that came from this pandemic or come from this pandemic sorry so for sure i think it's something that everybody struggled with to one degree or another i mean even you mentioning the like the thing for older people like mcdavid doing those videos earlier on for kids exactly that was perfect yeah like stuff like that's a really good idea Mm mm-hmm and I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it is kind of like, it's kind of on you as a person at the end of the day, right? To like realize those challenges and how important it is to get out of there. But I mean, you know, to get out and about, I mean, but it can be easier said than done. I mean, when I get into that like funk or, or depression or whatever, when I've been making oh, terrible yeah. lifestyle yeah. decisions, man, like it's hard to break that. And then it's, it's weird because like three days after I bought the bike, I was like, I think I'd gone for two rides probably like 20 to 40 minutes each, like got like a good, you know, heart pumping a little bit, but just getting out, waking up that next morning, I was like, fuck man, I feel so good. Like I feel better than I have in months. And it's just, so it's, it's super hard to get out of that funk or that, that cloudiness once you get into it, man. And it's really not a lot of time. Like you said, like 40 minutes, right? Like I'll go 30, 45 minute, an hour walk and like listen to a podcast. It's no big deal really out of the huge, like, you know, time of your day, you're fine with that. And, and yeah, you feel so much more energized and happy throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's actually like, it's, it's huge. Yeah. And, and I felt like, I was like doing a bit like of a slump through the, the, the quarantine there too, right. Where you just kind of get depressed. So yeah, like I had to force myself to go for walks and, and get yeah. back into things. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, let's, <laughs> we should probably pivot and get into some hockey, but Hey, I hope sure. everybody listening is doing, doing well and staying safe and, and doing well mentally as well. But if you're not definitely, you know, reach out, talk to your loved ones, try and socialize the best you can safely. And, and, you know, if, if you're similar to me and Kyle, like what we've been discussing, maybe try and make that lifestyle change. I mean, I'm not in a great decision to, or position to not trying to give you like life advice, but Hey, from personal experience, I know that's something that that's really helped me. So um, you can talk to us on Twitter too. John will answer. Yeah. Hey, and we, we've got our phone number. I don't, I don't even have it offhand, but I'll read that off later in the episode. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can call us and chat on the show, <laughs> but anyways, let's, uh, let's pivot. And let's get into some hockey talk. Um, as we get into it, we're going to do our Oilers discussion early. So for any just specific Oilers fans, which I know a good majority of our listeners are, uh, we're going to kind of do that discussion first. And then with us having a week off, we are going to play quite a bit of catch up when it comes to the NHL news and everything else going around, um, as well as what happened with the uh, league suspending for two games. I know a lot of people for two days. I know a lot of people have probably heard enough about that. We think it's an important discussion to have for Kyle and I. Um, But if that's not something you want to listen to, this is why we're doing the Oilers news first. Stay tuned, everybody. Oh, that was not the transition noise I thought I had loaded, but we'll ride with it, man. We'll ride with it. <laughs> okay. 
in Oilers news, Kyle. So Patrick Russell was resigned for $700,000 and especially kicking off our show. Like th- this isn't, this isn't big, big news, but I don't know what it is with this fan base. I still saw a whole bunch of negative reaction to it. And like, I, I mean, I'm not going to say the dude's name on Twitter, but like more or less somebody just talking about how our third and fourth lines like need substantial improvement. And if this is what Holland's doing, like he doesn't have faith in him more or less. And I'm just like, man, th- he just got signed as your 14th forward. Like n- none of this is showing that Holland's not going to do more to address the bottom six. Like free agency hasn't even opened yet. Yes, there's trades going on, but you're limited. I mean, there, I guess there's only four teams currently that can't make trades, but it's still like a lot of teams are playing the wait and get, wait and see game to see how their contract discussions go. So I'm, I just don't get it, man. Like I, it's, it seems like such an overreaction when people get bummed out about situations like this. And I like Patrick Russell, but like, let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade. There's a good chance he's going to spend the majority of the year in the AHL and his contract is completely variable. So you send him to Bakersfield and none of that cap is against the way their salary cap. So I, I just, man, I, I don't get it. Do you have any takes on that? Like I, I was just kind of baffled reading some of that shit, to be honest. I mean, I, I get the hate kind of for the guy. Um, I, I it's it's Oilers fan bandwagon. I mean, he played forty five games and got five assists, right? Oh, like throwing me on the spot. I yeah. have his page up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I get it. Um, yeah, our bottom six does need to be better for sure. Like he's not wrong in saying that. Um, but again, it's like you said, it's a variable contract, and it just it creates more competition. Is and 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 that's something I know we've been saying for a while, like a year now. But it's the truth. It's going to be a while of that, right? We need some internal fighting, and he just helps create more of it. That's it. And, like, I look at it as an insurance policy. He's a guy that's played, like you said, I just looked that up, good call, 45 games. And, I mean, he's not an impact player by any means, but he's a guy that has played a little bit under Tippett's system. He understands what's expected of him on the forecheck, on the energy side, on the defensive side. And he's not going to be in the opening lineup very likely unless he takes a step forward. So, I mean, I, I pretty much looked at this like like a minor league signing, but I, I get it where you want those big news and, you know, or the big moves and, and the big acquisitions, talent coming in. But I just, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. Like maybe it's something where someone's just kind of looking at Adam more of like, oh, this is my first you know, like first moment reaction emotionally to this move. And I would have liked to see more and like, Hey, fair enough. But at the end of the day, there's nothing really wrong with Patrick Russell as your 14th forward, which is the way I look at it. But yeah. Yeah. I think, and yeah, I do think he's one of the more defensively responsible people too. In the 45 games, he was minus 11 with the five points. I mean, that's not great by any means, but it's not like he was out there getting hammered every time he was on the ice. And I mean, our bottom six, like, there's going to be kind of the role is to do that. So there's going to be acquisitions in the bottom six this year, for sure, too. Like, I just I I think I guess like my issue was is that like people were talking about how this was like proof 
that Holland wasn't going to address the bottom six. Where, in my opinion, that's not the case at all. The off season hasn't even started yet. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we need to take a wait and see approach. Yeah. Just first off season fully as our GM. So, hundred percent. So, I mean, that that was really the only big signing. The only other uh, movement as far as the Oilers go, uh, there was some more players loaned out. So, I'm just going to quickly run down the list. Uh, these are the players that are on loan under ownership of the Oilers, but playing in Europe. So Nygaard, Ryan McLeod, who was just loaned out, uh, Maximov, Broberg, Lenstrom, and Niemalainen are all sent over, but they have NHL opt-out clauses in their loans. So as soon as the AHL resumes or the NHL resumes, they will be back with Bakersfield or Edmonton. And uh, Lavoie, Berglund, and Samarukov are overseas for the year, which... Samarukov had an absolute howitzer from the point in his first KHL game. I mean, it's one goal, but hey, I have no problem with him paying, playing in the KHL, especially being a Russian guy and uh, already playing quite a few seasons over in Canada um, and with Bakersfield last year. I think that's a, that's a prime situation for him to be comfortable at home through a pandemic as well as be able to play a league, play in a league that's looking like they're going to truck right through this COVID stuff, you know, when, when North American hockey is pretty much up in the air once this Stanley cup gets awarded. Um, but yeah, nothing really of note there. The only other thing I wanted to point out there, Kyle was, uh, on our last episode, you and I weren't too, too sure what the AHL's plan was. Um, currently they are set to start December 4th. That's obviously tentative, um, and COVID dependent, but looking forward, you know, in the next couple months, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll have a better, uh, better, better picture of what's going to go on there. Um, any thoughts on any of those guys moving? I was just thought I'd mention it for our listeners. I didn't really have too, too much. No, I got no comments on that. That's just newswire stuff. Do you have any comments on this super exciting Ryan McLeod going to the national Swiss, Swiss league? Come on, man. I want to, I want your analysis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Into the rumor mill that time of year, baby. Love to see the Oilers in the playoffs still, but we're right back to the rumor mill. So it was reported that the Oilers have believe, have been believed to be having conversations with Pittsburgh rega- regarding Matt Murray. Blew, can't read right now. Um, Kyle, I wanted to flip it over to you. What What's your immediate like reaction of, you know, again, it's just rumors, but how would you feel about Matt Murray being in some Oilers silks? I'd rather flurry. Riri. <laughs> no, I just like Riri. But uh, uh I mean I, I I think the guy is a good goaltender. I just find it weird how hard he's fallen off. It's it's so funny about goalies, right? How they can just be there for a year or two and then seemingly disappear. I, I would rather that we chase their third stringer, um, who we talked about last, Calvin. Who was it? Just Smith, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I would obviously be happy with Murray coming here, dependent on what the hit is. So is. Is he on contract still? Right. He's an RFA uh, going yeah, okay. into this off season. So I reached out to our uh, tip of the iceberg guys, which is the Pittsburgh affiliate on the Hockey Podcast Network, and was asking about DeSmith because after our last episode when we talked about him, I was like, 
daydreaming for like three days after that about Casey DeSmith. I just, I love the underlying numbers, love the age, love the contract. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but more or less he was saying not going to happen. Um, especially with the contract and with um, having both Jari as well as Murray be RFAs that he thinks one of those guys is moving out and DeSmith is going to slide in to be their backup more or less. So that's obviously just one opinion on it, but I know those boys are pretty uh, up to date and knowledgeable when it comes to Pittsburgh. So I, I'm going to, you know, take their, uh, take their opinion uh, pretty to heart in that sense. What are they thinking the offer is for one of those two goalies? So I, I think that's the thing. So they didn't say what the ask would be. Um, I did ask them about Matt Murray's contract and I believe they had suggested that, you know, like way back in the spring, Murray was hoping for six. Now with everything that's changed, the flat cap, everything like that, I was reading some articles from Pittsburgh blogs and it seemed like the suggestion was kind of four to five and a half mil. I believe he makes around three and a for half like, last year. For a three or four year contract or something too. I'm going to guess he's, he's 26 yeah. years old and you know, for sure. The, the thing I like about Murray is when he's healthy, he's definitely proven that he can be a number one goaltender. Um, before this last season, he had three years in a row where he had approximately 50 games played. I think his worst season was like a 907 save percentage. And I mean, that's behind a Pittsburgh team that's, you know, especially during those years. I mean, I would argue that they have a much better defensive core and defensive system than the Oilers do. Um, but I think Matt Murray is definitely a capable number one goaltender. The issue I see is he's had three concussions and most of those, you know, those three years I talked about where he's playing 50, you know, 49, 50 games, three years in a row. That's not really because they have a one, a one B situation up until Jari emerging this year. That was because of injuries. So, you know, on paper, I look at Murray and I'm like, he's 26 years old. Check right there for sure. As far as being a similar age as most of our core, he's a guy you could lock up for four or five, six years. And assuming health, he's likely going to be your number one guy. Now, I just, those, those injury concerns, especially the three concussions. I mean, he's 26 years old, three concussions already. I don't know if that's a guy you want to invest in long-term and I mean, I don't know if Murray comes in, are you trying to move Koskinen with his modified no trade clause? I think he's got a list. Uh, he has a 15 team, no trade list. So I would leave you 14 teams that you could move them to. I mean, I just think this one might be a little bit more swinging for the fences where you've already got a capable goalie in Koskinen which I'm likely going to get into more here, but I know a lot of people don't like Koskinen, but. Well, and I wonder how much our plan goes out the the window that we talked about last episode with Thomas Grease too, if the mm-hmm. Islanders keep going. He just got a yeah. shutout last game, did he not? I believe so. Yeah, so, I mean, he could be looking at a bit of a payday more than you expected, or we expected, sorry. Yeah. That, that's yeah. What I mean, these playoffs too. every like, situation every is year, kind but... of shooting for the fences a bit, right? Like the, the other good goalies up there. I know we talked about it last episode again, right? But like Leonard's up there, Crawford, Holtby, which you know is going to be overpaid for what he's going to produce now. Howard, Anderson, Markstrom. Yeah, like Talbot's back out there. Maybe bring him back. Like 
I don't know, dude. It's it's. Uh, I don't think Talbot comes back. I know. I know. I'm saying as a joke, but yeah, I mean, I'd be happy with Murray playing in Oilers colors for sure. Like for sure. But then, yeah, you go back to how good the defense in Pittsburgh has been and, and what is our defense right now? That's our other huge complaint about the team. So how is he going to perform here? And are people going to want to chase him out of town, blaming him because he's this supposed stud goaltender, a huge trade that we made coming in. And if it doesn't work, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of risk for sure, especially with the injury yeah. history. I mean, it, it's one of those things. And I mean, Holland has said we've we've referenced this before, but he unless you've got one of those bona fide top three, top five guys, he really doesn't believe in investing a ton of money into goaltending, which, you know, that's kind of what leads me to believe like, you know, when we're talking about Matt Murray, I'm kind of like, OK, so let's say we can move Koskinen out. Maybe you attach a B or C level prospect with him and you can get a fill in guy to a third line center and be able to dump that cap. But how many teams I just feel like it's a lot of moves for not much. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I think, but here's the thing. I, I think Holland's going to have to get creative this off season. Like, yes, like to a point you've got to stay true to the path and you can't jump the gun, but especially with goalies, man, like, this year seems like the year to go after a goalie. Like you've got the cap pushing the numbers down. So, you know, like, you know, Colorado is going to pay a goalie. They've got the cap space. Mm-hmm. They've got the need. They're a contender. That team is going to pay a goalie. Like they're going to get a Markstrom. They're going to get a Holtby. They're going to get a Kemper. They're going to get one of those guys. But after that, there's a whole bunch of teams that are looking to either send goalies out. Like you look at Toronto's got Frederick Anderson, you've Pittsburgh sending out likely Murray, maybe Jari, uh, Arizona with that dumpster fire that's going on with that organization, like just like politically and in their front office, it looks mm-hmm. like they're going to enter another rebuild. They've got Ranta <laughs> and Kemper likely selling a goalie and that cap, the flat cap likely pushing goalie contracts down. I mean, there, there's just, there's too many heads and not enough hats in the NHL right now for these goalies. Absolutely. For sure. I just, yeah, I don't, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's so hard just making a choice. That's it. Right. Knowing the history of some of these goaltenders here and how some of them have played recently. It's just, uh, yeah, the ones that you didn't think were going to get paid are the ones that are going to get paid. Hudobin and Greece and, you know. I still don't I know mean, how much Leonard, you kind of expected though. it, but he's a stud. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I don't know, man. It's it's going to be interesting time for whatever our goaltending situation is, whether we do get Murray and move Koskinen out and bring in some other backup goaltender, whether it's like Stollard since gets a chance when we actually have a true 1A. Yeah. But, yeah. Who knows? I, mean, um, I, I think Koskinen has proved that he can play 50 to 60 games in a year and give you decent I think so, service. too. Koskinen had a great season. And uh, that's like... like Our goaltending was our strength this year. The I, easy... I don't feel we're at a need to turn our back on him yet. He proved his contract worth for sure. No. And I, I mean, I'm pretty much moved on from Smith. Like, right at the... <laughs> excuse me, right at the end of the season. Ooh, that was gross. Sorry about the burp, folks. Um... <laughs> 
right at the end of the season, we were kind of like talking about like, yeah, maybe like Smith is a backup plan. Like I'm, I look at the goalies out there right now and I, I think there's 10 to 15 better options and no disrespect to the guy, but just with age, I mean, if Smith is willing to come back on like a million dollar contract with like less than a mil of bonuses and Holland can't find a, find a better solution in that range, then sure. Like whatever. But I just think there's better options. Like, I think there's going to be a better options. Um, you know, and the other thing, Kyle, you and I always mention this. I mean, this is a pretty common phrase in the, the hockey culture, but like goalies are fucking voodoo, man. So that's the other thing is like when you look at some of these guys and their numbers might be a little bit unimpressive, but look at how many guys have had bounce back years and like start getting into the reclamation project range where you're likely getting a goalie for a year at like a million to 1.2. I mean, is a bit, is it a bit of a roll of the dice for sure? But unless you're moving Koskinen out, I'd rather roll the dice than bring in a Freddie Anderson or a Matt Murray. Give up. Oh, I'm agree with you. I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, yeah. Like I, I guess there's a lot of Oilers fans that like, and I'm not saying the opinion's wrong. I'm just saying I disagree with it. But there's a lot of Oilers fans out there that think Koskinen is trash. And the number one problem with this team is our goaltenders. And I mean, look at how many goalies we've sent out that have had better numbers as soon as they leave. And there's a bigger problem with this team. And that's our defensive system and and smarts and decor. And I mean, I don't even think it's so much on the decor. I think our decor could definitely improve, but I think this just the team defense. And that's why when I look at this team's need third line center is extremely high up there for me. And I mean, I like Riley Shahan. He was a good stopgap this year, but unless again, he's willing to take a million as that another fill in for another year while Holland addresses some different issues in the top six or in the top four. I mean, you need to improve the way this team plays defense and you need more two-way guys other than guys like Nuge and Kara. And I mean, you could throw Cassian in there, Dreisaitl at times, but still his underlying numbers aren't great on average. But when you look at this team though, Kyle, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, we were talking a little bit before and and we're kind of touching all on all the bases here of how teams made up, but our four biggest needs, I think it'd be tough to argue a different point other than top six winger, third line center, top four D and backup goalie or one B goalie. I should say, where do you like think Holland should prioritize on that list of four different areas you could address what should his number one priority be and so on let's just start with your first one and we'll kind of go back and forth i think what gets done first is the third line center what do you well i mean like we'll get a i think we'll get a goalie sorry and then a center i think the most important right now is oh man I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. Top, top six winger or, or top four defenseman. Well, like let's. And, so uh, let me rephrase. So, yeah. with keeping in mind what it would cost, 
the yeah, guts, the, the center, key, right? The third line like, don't center. get me wrong. If you're talking about like, hey, John, would you rather have Greece or Petra Angelo added to the Oilers? It's obvious that it's Petra Angelo. But, <laughs> okay, it, yeah. you know, it, yeah, then third, third the line center is, is definitely like the easiest, I feel, to find a stopgap for or something to replace there at mm-hmm. some sort of some sort of value. I know we were talking earlier about Kyle Turris, and I'm sure you're looking to bring that up. Um, but yeah, obviously like we've been looking, uh, finding defensemen in a top four role is next to impossible without developing them yourselves, unless you overpay them like a Carlson and hope yeah. that they perform for you or a Larson. Yeah. Yeah. A top six winger is a little bit more, uh, you know, something you can come by, but typically that happens to a trade or again, an overpay in free agency. Um, yeah, like the, the backup goaltending situation and the third line center are realistic improvements that we can see happen over this offseason. I think that we will get a top six winger this offseason too, because it's what fans are begging for. You think we will? Um, eh? I, I do think we will. Yeah. I, I think, think we might get one in Yessi Pujar. I'd like to, I mean, I know people hate on Mike Hoffman still, but I, I would take him here for sure. Yeah. Take him here. And I think that's the thing when, you know, I kind of mentioned it before. Like, man, Holland is going to have to get creative with like a little bit under 10 million in cap space, re-signing Bear. You've mm-hmm. got Athens to see you. You've got Benning, all his RFAs. Like that's going to tie up a substantial amount of that cap right there. And like, I mean, I, it was either, was it Kurt Levens or uh, Staples? One of them had an article that was suggesting that two of the Oilers top four D from last season will be shipped out. Now I'm going to go ahead and assume that they're including Chris Russell because he played in the top four this year. But when you're looking at addressing that third line center, that top six winger, do you kind, do you have time to humor the thought, I guess of trading like an Adam Larson right now. He's got one year left on his contract. Do you look at trading a guy like that? If you can get top six or third line center help and more or less bank on Baron Bouchard being those guys. Oh man. Dead silence. Depends on the return, but I'd pull that trigger. I'd I'd pull the trigger. Like, so let's a say a year left on his contract. You know that you're going to have Bouchard and Bear coming up. I know that they may not be fully ready. Like it's a stretch, but uh, I mean, there's risk. I mean, we've seen like, them perform. We've seen Jones perform too. It's definitely a young defense, not something that I'm necessarily comfortable with. But I would definitely take some more scoring on the front end. So we had at least two lines that could roll. And I'll say this right now, like there, there was a lot of discussion. Again, we missed a week of podcasting. So this is kind of from like the end of the week before when we were still trying to record that weekend, I was looking at those articles and I mean, take Twitter for what it is. And I mean, I'm probably one of them at, at times, but there's a lot of idiots on Twitter, but there was, there was quite a few people talking about trading cleft bomb 
Like Bear was pretty much the only one in the top four that not a single person was saying you should trade. Why would you he's trade young enough and he's a with fan his favorite. contract right now? There's not a way I would send him out. He's one of our best performing D-men. Like I not don't trade Clefbaum yeah. unless you're getting an absolute home run. He's probably one of the most untouchable players after Drysaitel and Nuge or Drysaitel and McDavid for me. Like he's up there with mm-hmm. Nuge. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And and you hit on yeah, the biggest no reason that for that. Yeah. I mean, the biggest reason is his ability. Like, sure, he's not an elite top one defenseman, but he's a number one defenseman in the NHL. And by that, I mean he's a top 31 defenseman in the NHL. I'm confident in that. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, and, and sorry, I lost my train of thought there. The thing you hit on, which is the nail in the coffin in that situation for me, is his contract. Like three more years at like four point one six seven off the top of my head. Like sure that's it. Yeah, that, there's that's no just, no chance. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, like and we talked about this this last episode. You need to bring in more value in this cap strapped world of guys that exceed their salary cap number. And Cluffbaum is one of those few of our actual like in their prime players that does that. You sure mm-hmm. you've got your Caleb Jones. And you've got obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl, but I mean those guys make a ton of money already. Clefbaum's the only one that's like sub five million dollars that you just look at and you're like, "Wow, you're not in your ELC, and you add way more value than your cap hit." Agreed. So yeah, no, he doesn't get moved at all. Yeah, there's there's no yeah. way I'd be very upset if he was to get shipped out and the return was not phenomenal. Let's talk about Darnell. So. My immediate take on Darnell is I I would have no problem with him getting moved. My issue is, is I think if you move him right now, you're selling him for pennies on the dollar. I just, I don't see how you get a full return on Darnell. And I know he's not that popular amongst oil country right now, but it's all about timing when it comes to trades like that. (sighs) I'm just worried about holding on to him too long. And then we're in another contract talk situation with him and we can't move him out because of other teams being worried about that situation too. I mean, he's had two years at like, I would argue two years at the current level of play. Now he's got two years left and then he's an unrestricted free agent. I think you can wait until at least this year's trade deadline and still get the return you're going to get right now. Probably even next summer with a year left before UFA. Like, I, I just, I look at it where it's like, this reminds me of the Eberle situation. I don't think there's a rush to do it. I think it's a trade that needs to happen in the future, but I don't think that there's necessarily like a do it now. I mean, and I, and I, I agree. From, I don't think it'll fix anything really. Yeah. I said from the point that um, when nurse got resigned this spring, the, the thing I like about the deal and really the only thing I like about that deal is the term. And I think with with his age, I believe he's 25. Sorry, don't quote me on that. But being right in his mid-20s, 24, 25, in two years, you're going to have a really good idea of what you have in Darnell Nurse. He, you know, the last two salary contract negotiations, he played hardball. He wanted more than he was worth. He drove up his price. Hey, power to you. As a person, get your money. But as an Oilers fan... He's probably gotten overpaid back-to-back times on bridge contracts. So the good thing about that from the team perspective is in two years, this is either a guy you pay or you don't. 
And it should be fairly clear depending on his progress the next two years. But I just don't want to get to the point where it's a pay or you don't situation. Like that's it. If we lost a, he was a seventh overall pick if I'm correct. Right. Uh, Yeah. Definitely top 10. If we let that walk and got no return on that, that's just a sad situation for sure. sure. Some people have been asking for it for a while. I mean, I'm not uh, not saying I agree with you full two years, no matter what, like if he gets traded, just, get value for yeah. his potential. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because he's got but, the I mean, he also to has to. Yeah, I mean, he as an individual needs to improve his play, like whether he's traded or not. Like he needs to improve who he is as a defenseman because he's not what we thought he was going to be. Yeah, I think part of that's on the Oilers, but that's a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, where we kind of hit off on the top four, you know, the only other players you could argue were top four this year based off of their playing time is Larson bear and Russell. Now let's just completely exclude bear because we both know he's not getting traded as well as you and I are both stands. So even if someone thinks that bear is going to get traded, Kyle and I don't. So we're going to glaze over that one. (laughs) So Chris Russell, now we've had this talk before, but $4 million, believe he has a uh, 15 team no trade list or does it go to 10 sorry my bad let me look that up real quick here I'm usually pretty good with the contract stuff 15 team trade list. So he has to list 15 teams this summer that he'd be traded to. Now, just to kind of highlight the previous conversation we've had from my recollection, Kyle, the thing I really like about Chris Russell is number one, I think he's a big playoff guy. I think he's like, that's the type of veteran defenseman you want through a playoff run. Number two, great penalty killer. And number three, definitely just like the heart and soul side. But he's obviously got his negatives and he makes too much money. So, I mean, that $4 million <clears throat> would be really nice to spend. Where you I mean, I that? think there's a trade that you could work out there for a third line center coming back somewhere. If he retained half his contract, if he's a $2 million player, he's worth it. He's not a horrible defenseman. Like people slack on him so hard. I know we've talked about this dude so many times, but like he is a decent defenseman at a one point five to two million dollar range. He's a he's a fine like even third two pair. and a half. Like if he made two and a half million dollars, I would I would re- like if Russell was up yeah. this summer, I would happily resign him at two and a half. So so yeah, so I I again think he needs to be moved, um, as I'm sure you do. Um, I, I would be happy if he's here, but with the contracts or sorry, the, the salary structure, it's going to be, um, with the cap over the next three years, you kind of have to expect that he's going to be going out. And I would think that with the one year being left, like we're going to retain to get the most value we can out of that trade. Um, yeah, I, I think we're probably going to have to add something onto it no matter what. This is the situation Kyle, where. I'd love to look into a crystal ball and just see the like simulation on you trade. Let's just say you trade uh, Larson for a stud 
third line center that makes two and a half million dollars. You save like a little under two mil there. And then you trade Russell out for like a couple picks in fantasy land right now, mid round picks. I'd be so curious how the Oilers defensive core does with like Clefbaum, nurse, Caleb Jones on the left and Bouchard bear and bending on the right. Like, I, I think that's a ton of risk, man. That's like, that is not something I think my heart can take for 82 games, but I don't know. <laughs> it's just, you, you free up a ton of money. Like if you could do that, you've solved your third line center problem. You re-sign Athens CU. You can throw two, two and a half on a goalie and sign probably a Hoffman. But then you're rolling with a defense that is, you know, half a bunch of high school players, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would sum it up differently, but you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, Bouchard's practically like 35 now. Like, just look at that, man. That's a man's <laughs> man right there, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, those players are going to have to come up eventually. And it's starting to be that time that we're seeing them come up. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's all, that's a lot of young players to be have in a defensive core. Like that's a, it's not a McCarr situation or a Quinn Hughes, right. Where they're like the one or two guys that are the young kids around. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like Clef bombs expected to mentor all of these people plus nurse, you know, cause we all know he ain't going to help much. I wonder. Yeah. Low Tide had a list where he was talking about Tory Krug, and I mean, I I'd I would love, love to, to see Tory like Krug come here, but what his cost is going to be too. Yeah, I mean, I think before the cap cap went flat, he was looking at like an eight to eight and a half million payday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's the thing that's going to be super interesting. I mean, not to get back into a huge goalie discussion here, but like, so you have Leonard. You have Markstrom, you have Holtby. Who are the other like big name guys? Matt Murray. Oh my god. Well, and I just had it all up. Um UFA list. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, even out of those four, like I think this summer, if it went as planned, all four of those guys likely make over six mil. I'm gonna be really curious to see who gets term at over five or six million dollars out of any of those guys. Like hope I, I don't think you see a lot of players getting should, term. Like, but he had a really uh, rough contract here. Yeah. I just in general don't think you see a lot of players getting long contracts over the next couple years here. Yeah. Most players are going to be wanting to have a two, three year contract and then renegotiate or more well, like three, and, four. And that's the thing that makes me wonder yeah. if that opens the door for Holland to try and wheel and deal a little bit more this summer well i mean it could right just like here's a chance to play with mcdavid take three years right especially we'll with, like, when you, you look at the guys like else. hoffman and like i mean i don't know if krug is attainable I, money has to go out there for sure but guys like that that's an interesting proposition like especially if they don't get what they want elsewhere obviously because i mean if anyone else offers them some six, seven, eight million dollar contract with term, they're likely going to take it. But if that's not on the board, 
there's only so many Colorados. There's a lot of teams. Well, not a lot, but there's some teams that have a lot of money, but they're not very good. And the Oilers have this kind of interesting situation where you could approach a Hoffman and say, Hey, the cap is in the dump. Sign a two year deal. We'll slot you with McDavid. Hoffman's got a super heavy shot. Guarantee he put, I mean, not guarantee, but he likely puts up career numbers for two years and then go get your payday to end your career. I mean, I I don't see how that's not the sell job that you're doing. Maybe that's fantasy land for fans that are on the outside looking in, but I mean, as fans anyways, like you've got to hope that a situation like that comes up. Yeah. I mean, I've also thought the same thing over the past couple of years too. How do we not have players lining up to play with McDavid? You would think somebody out there that's like not a superstar yet, but almost there would take a bit of a pay cut on a two, three year deal just to make his name anything. I don't know. Feels like it's such an opportunity that's just waiting for somebody to take it. Lucic did that. Fucking shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the dream as as Oilers fans. That's what, that's what we've got to hope for. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I mean, it's going to be tough. And I'll say it again. Like Holland is going to have to be creative because I don't think there's any way he sits on his hands this summer. I, I think we see some major moves, one or two of them at least. So, Kyle, you kind of referred to it, and I want to bounce back to it. Actually, sorry, before I do that, I do want to say, as far as the goalie situation goes, let's kind of put a nail in that coffin. I, I do have faith in Koskinen being able to be that 50 to 60 games played guy. I'll say 45 to 60, maybe 45 to 55. But I think if you're bringing in a guy like Matt Murray or you're going after a guy like Frederick Anderson or Kemper in Arizona, I do think Koskinen's going to be moved out. Like I just, I, I look at the makeup of this team financially and I just don't see how you can spend eight, nine, ten million dollars in goaltending. Like we're not in a situation like Montreal where we have enough cap. And you really, really, really need an insurance policy behind Carey Price. Not that I think that move to bring in Jake Allen was a great move, but I don't think we're in that situation. I think you need to bring in a capable 1B that can play that 30, 35 games and pay him accordingly. And and getting back, I mean, I, I don't know who that guy is, but there's a ton of options. And I think going after a reclamation project for on the cheap and actually addressing which in my opinion are the are the you know the more foundational issues of the makeup of this roster i think would do a lot a lot for this team and for their success moving forward um that's just me but i mean getting getting into those like four needs i don't really think our top 4d needs a move out i think there's a opportunity there but i think third line center is something they really need to address um and then obviously like top six winger i mean I, i'm really hoping that yes he comes in 
anyone that thinks, yes, he can't play with McDavid, look at the stats with and without. Like, it's a small-ish sample size. But if the boys will let accept him back and not have any dramatic locker room issues there, I yes, he's got to be the... His success is like would be the biggest thing for our top six possible right now without having to pay out the ass for a top six winger to play with McDavid. But I digress. Getting to what you referred to, Kyle. So Low Tide had just kind of mentioned this was more of like a food for thought. It wasn't something that was rumored or anything like that, but apparently there was a mailbag, I believe, on The Athletic, and one of the writers had suggested... James Neal for Kyle Turris. Now, most of you probably know who Kyle Turris is. He had some really successful years in Ottawa. Was then, Kyle, we were talking before, he was traded for Duchesne. Pretty sure. To Colorado. Pretty sure I remember that was trade. Yeah, hold on, and I, then can, I can double check on that. But. Now is, weirdly enough, teammates with Duchesne in Nashville. So he makes slightly more than Neal does makes $6 million and he has an additional year left, but still buyoutable. His cap hit would be go from $6 million to $2 million for every year he has left. And then obviously double that. So if you buy him out with three years left, it's $6 million at a cap hit of $2 million. Um, or sorry, it's six years at a cap hit of $2 million. I misspoke. Um, but Speaking of reclamation projects, I mean, he's a guy that like overpaid. Yes. But I think we're looking at a situation where Neil's likely going to be a bottom six winger. I'd much rather money in money out that situation with James Neal and get a third line center. That's slightly younger and a little bit more versatile where I think Neil's kind of a guy, if he's not scoring, not that he's not doing anything for you, but he, I mean, the guy's a goal scorer where I think Kyle Turris can add a little bit more on the two way side of things as well as, I mean, I think you're getting an addition from Nashville on that side. Like with the additional year, Turris has struggled in Nashville. Like he went from, what was it? His last year, sorry, his last year in uh, Ottawa, 52 points in 76 games and then 43 points in 65 his first year in Nashville, 23 and 55 his next year. And then this last year had 31 and 62. Um, so more or less 0.5 points per game, but Kyle, Kyle, where are you at on that one? Sorry. I know I've been rambling here. Is, is that something that good. you humor or is that something where you'd rather just say, Hey, let's just ride and die with Neil. If we buy him out, we buy him out. Uh, I think it's a good solution um, for the money in, money out situation. It keeps our cap the same for the most part. It, uh, I think we actually even saved 250 on that, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, and then, yeah, he's a somewhat competent player still. I mean, he hasn't put up phenomenal stats his entire career, really. I mean, his height was 64. Yeah, 64. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then otherwise, he's kind of been like 30-point player for the majority of his career. Um, but nonetheless, still um, probably a bit more defensively responsible player than in Neil. And if we can find a winger to 
to replace him, then really no issue, no harm done, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would easily be happy with a trade, especially if Nashville has to add on top of that. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, I remember hearing a lot about Kyle Turris when he played in Ottawa, um, especially when that trade did go through. I looked it up. It was that three-way trade that happened between the Avalanche, Ottawa, and Nashville. Okay. I, I was curious of. how that happened because uh, off the top of my head, I couldn't remember. And then, but I did see that he never played a game with Colorado. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely something to be entertained. I don't think it's by any means a, a cure all to any problems necessarily in our lineup, but it's, it's a good contract move. Right. And, and it gives us a benefit. I'd, I'd say. Now, would Nashville, do you feel they have a real need for Neil there? Or do you think they just buy him out instantly and they take it as a cap? I mean, I don't think they buy him out instantly, but I think there's a good chance he plays like a year there. And now, and Neil has history in Nashville, does he not? He was quite successful there and played there earlier in his career. Um, Uh, Yes, he did. But so, I mean, maybe a familiar face. I mean, I know it's been quite a bit of time since he's been there, but. I know, I know that Nashville would be interested in moving out Terrace. Like that's something that's been talked about for the last two years since his productions dropped off, and he's just not worth it. Um, not worth that salary. So, I mean, do they have interest in Neil? I don't know. It'd be a slightly cheaper buyout as well as for one less, or well, two year, two years less, because um, he has one year le- left on his sorry, he has one year less on his contract than Terrace does, and their buyout. Uh, situation would be more or less the same um i think neil would be about like a little less than a hundred thousand dollars cheaper on the buyout but i don't know it was just an interesting proposition that low tide had kind of mentioned like i said i mean there's no real like bona fide rumors going around but it was like hmm kyle Turris was someone that i was not really interested in but if it's something where neil's going the other way i mean the other thing is is maybe you do a similar situation with Turris as you did with Nuge where maybe you try and get him going again offensively in the top six on a wing position. I mean, that that's just kind of a shot in the dark off the top of my head. But as we know with this Oilers team, I mean, positions are pretty fluid at this oh, point. Like I just the hate nine. the revolving door positions. I really, really hate that stuff. Yeah. You know, people, you know, shit on Anasiu and, and whatnot for not getting going. It's like, my God, he couldn't even have a proper line to play with. Yeah. There's a lot of people saying that Athanasiu might get moved out or not qualified, become a UFA, and then haul and try and sign him for cheaper than his QO. Really but, don't see that happening when we just gave up two second round picks for him. Yeah. His qualifying offers. There's a contract that will be signed there. Now, I think $3 million based off his production this last year, not just in Edmonton, but even with Detroit, is high. But he's a guy I wonder if you could whittle down and be like, hey, we'll give you two years at like 2.3. I wonder if he'd sign something like that. And he has history with Holland, He too, hoped so that hope, maybe he will with Holland being the guy that drafted him. Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully they have a good connection between the two of them he sees that also it's a good opportunity for him here right like he does have a chance of playing with mcdavid as well that was kind of the idea bringing him here yeah 
It's I I mean I I'm an Athanasius stan absolutely. I mean I literally bought an authentic jersey of his like when the trade went down. So I really hope he doesn't get either signed somewhere else or traded. That would I'd be pretty pissed off. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would that would hurt. That'd be a little bit of a kick to the teeth. Fucking um, call Holland and ask for your money for the jersey back. Yeah, fortunately didn't buy it through the Oilers. So see if uh, our our buddies at Cool Hockey who are offering. 30% off. Might as well do a plug here. Coolhockey.com slash THPN and use code THPN at the checkout for 30% off your authentic jerseys. Um, this is one of the things I almost don't want to plug. I've been trying so hard to find an authentic third jersey from the Oilers this year. Now, once Bear wore his uh, with the Cree lettering on the back of his jersey, I want that jersey. I think it's cool mm-hmm. as hell. That's something I'd for sure get autographed and framed eventually. Um, Pro-Am Sports was doing it, and then they sold out of the size. I think they only have like 44 or something super small. And um, Cool Hockey, like the whole year, they sold out of the Oilers' third authentic jerseys for so long, and I would have pulled the trigger on that right away. But then the Bear Cree jersey came out, and Pro-Am said that they were coming out with more but I'm playing the waiting game there and now cool hockey has the Oilers third jerseys again. So I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I, I know whatever it is, it'll be a dumb financial decision, but that's par for the course for me. I feel like if you just wait, there will always be jerseys available, but I need it now. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely not getting it sent to Quebec though. Fuck paying the Quebec sales tax on a $300 extra 10% on everything, buddy. Yeah. I know it's rough, man. I know. I thought when I lived in Canmore, Alberta, that it was expensive. And then I went back there and I was like, oh my God, everything's 10% cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Do you, it's do you order really off Amazon ever? Off Amazon? Yeah. All the time. Do they charge you Quebec sales tax and GST? Uh, yes. Okay. I made a couple of orders when I first got here and they literally didn't charge me tax. Might have still had you under like an Alberta account or something. When I order uh, well, like my, uh, my things in Ontario but... too, they won't charge me tax because I don't think they charge for online sales there. Doing a couple orders I've had from there from Ontario. Yeah, interesting. But but like yeah, but like GST is national tax. Like it's federal tax for sure. But uh, but there was a time when you bought anything online and you never paid GST. I still buy certain things online and don't pay GST on them. Well, goddamn! I need to start paying more attention to that because yeah, I was like, I mean, oh, that's dope. Yeah. Not paying any tax off Amazon. Yeah, but. I, I don't. I think, uh, I think you'll always pay tax on Amazon. I definitely do pay like the fourteen point nine seven percent or whatever stupid amount it is here. Yeah, I, think I miss it's like good offer five percent, man. That is like one of the biggest things I miss about that place. Yeah. The the tax here is is rough for sure. I mean, you notice it on groceries and I'm well, literally everything. Like, just the cost of living is just like that much higher. Groceries in general, dude. Like, I know it's probably across Canada right now, but I just I paid five dollars and forty cents for a carton of fucking eggs last time I was at the grocery store. I couldn't believe it, dude. I uh, I don't know if it's the the first time I noticed that they've gotten that high, but I was like, I used to pay two dollars for these. What the fuck happened, dude? I'm Are like, you getting, like the am fancy I that eggs? old? Those things change that much? Like, like I've been an adult for like ten years. I found the normal like cardboard carton eggs for like two fifty. Where? At uh, IGA. 
Are you like? Oh, are you buying God. like the fancy eggs or something? I don't know. I'll pay attention. I'm getting groceries tomorrow. I'll let you know. We're getting well. I bought the, the fancy eggs because the cheapest eggs that would usually be like the two dollars were like four sixty. So I was like, I'll just pay the extra sixty, eighty cents, whatever, to have the nice free run, free run eggs and stuff. Yeah, I, I don't quote me on this, but I read something that like the whole like free run. Oh, I'm sure it's much like total bullshit. Yeah. I do think the yolks look better. I don't. We're not a food podcast, though. I'm sorry that we're talking about this. <laughs> My favorite eggs are. <laughs> Yeah. Join us next week where we uh, <laughs> we review beets, canned beets. We'll tell you which ones we like the most. Um, anyways, Kyle, let's take a slight break. We're going to run our promo for Devil's State of Mind, and we'll be back in like 45 seconds. Woo! What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Villapiano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Ham or Pork Roll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Yo, Neil went hard as a motherfucker on that one. <laughs> that was some like energy, fucking metal in the background. Whew, got me fired up. These uh fits in with a devil theme for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really make that connection, but thanks for spelling that out for me, to be honest. <laughs> didn't uh didn't quite connect the dots. Um yeah, let's get into some uh sorry, I'm just cracking my white claw i'm gonna add some pig whitney again because the first one was so terrible i needed why are you doing that you said it's disgusting honestly it's all i really have and i when i drink pig pink whitney straight it it ends in a bad time for by the way when you go to the SAQ and you buy pink whitney and white claw did the person ask if they want or did the person sorry ask you if they wanted to take the instagram photo for you of you holding them that is like the most fucking overblown drinks probably out there right now no i know so i'll be let, let's do it we, we already did uh eggs let's do a little bit of a drink talk um i actually do not mind white claw so last i've got a little little bit sorry a little bit of a backstory uh last summer i was playing flag football a lot when i was on time off and those games are a little bit of degeneracy going on at the end of those um not really by everyone else, but me specifically. Um, but anyways, so I'd catch games whenever I was on my day off, days off and back in town. And, you know, I usually crack a beer or two, like halftime and then have a couple more. And I was in the great situation where my roommate, who doesn't drink very much, also played on the team. So I had a DD every game and it was great. And then I broke my ankle. So now I've got a month where I'm not working and I can't play flag football. And not really much else is going on in my life, minus like the podcast. It was the middle of summer. There's not, I don't even know if we were, yeah, we were probably firing up the podcast at that point. Anyways, so I was getting a little bit of a paunch going on because I was drinking a lot of beer because I was bored as shit. <clears throat> and I had two weddings that month. It was just getting bad, you know, getting that weight. And so I started drinking neutrals. And man, those things are gross. Like, 
but it's just like low calories, still got the booze. You got like neutral sevens, which are 7% alcohol. And I think they're like 80 calories for a can. Um, and then one of my coworkers introduced me to White Claw. She just gave me one. Um, we were having a couple of drinks like a month, two months ago. And honestly, like for a quote unquote healthy drink, they're not bad. Like they're way better than neutrals in my opinion. They're like a little bit sweeter, but you don't get like super hungover still because there's not a ton of sugar. I think it's like artificial sweetener still, but. Yeah. <laughs> no thoughts. I, I don't know. Spritzers are all right. Or whatever. Seltzers are, yeah, whatever they're called. I mean. Seltzer, spritzer. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, seltzer. I just don't get bloated like I do on beer. Like I love beer still, but the hangovers are rough. The like, I get bloated as shit, which I think is part of the issue with my voice. Not that I drink like most days of the week or anything like that, but um, okay, let's move I on. I wish I didn't get so bloated from beer because I like the fact that I can drink it slower, right? Like, I can hang out at a bar yeah. and just nurse a couple pints. Like, I feel if I go to a bar and I'm like, I get a double, I'll drink it like it's a glass of cup. Coke, and then I'm like, oh my god, just get wasted, drink four of them within an hour. Like when you went to La Distillery, you're telling me that story? Am I saying that properly? No. I heard you went there, though. That place did, is man. amazing. Free pour drinks. Yeah. I need to take my brother there next time he's here, for sure. Place is it amazing. was great. If anybody yeah, comes to Montreal, that is definitely a very, very cool bar. We La didn't try the Mad Men or the uh, Mason Jar drinks. We just did the... I had a buddy visiting from Toronto for his birthday weekend, and we were smart and safe during covid for the most part but showed him around town a little bit and we went there so we did we didn't try the mason jar drinks that you were recommending kyle but we had a bunch of like mad men which were similar to an old-fashioned okay. um but yeah man it is a cool place i really enjoyed it but yeah the hard alcohol just it goes down to you. I don't know like how to drink hard get, alcohol still. Like I never, that wasn't my thing when I was younger, like in high school and shit. I never like got a Mickey and got fucked off off of vodka or even like mix, like rum and cokes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've I, I'll have them occasionally. Like I'll buy a bottle and like have it for a night. But then I, honestly, dude, I don't know how to pace myself with liquor. I get way too drunk. So I just don't fucking. Well, yeah, drink that's the it. point like, when I you're just, a teenager, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm more of a beer guy. Like I could just sip it, you know. It's the same thing with weed, man. And I I'll still like get wasted. Young and stupid, I don't know. Like I just don't like getting wasted on liquor. Just I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. But no, I I feel like that's the same thing as you get older though. Like and like I said off the top, like I, I don't smoke weed anymore. But the the weird thing is is like when I when I got into weed to compared to like the end of my weed tenure, at the start, man, you're just like you're pushing boundaries. It's the same thing with liquor. Like when you're 16 and you're like finally old enough to like go to parties and whatever else, if that, if that's what you're into, I know everybody has different experiences, but from like me and my social group and seeing what happened in my high school, it was like every Friday was like, how fucked up can we get? And beer just didn't do that. And God, I hope my parents are listening to this podcast. This is going to be a bad look, but whatever. That was like 10 years ago. But you know what I mean? So like the easiest part is to get like, oh, get a two six of whiskey or rum or vodka or whatever, a two liter of pop. It doesn't taste like shit. Hangovers are non-existent at that point of your life. So it's like, who cares? And yeah, 
Because, I mean, at that stage, I wasn't, like, physically able to drink, like, 12 beers. Oh, I mean, I had, but I've thrown that the fuck up. Too, oh, yeah, like, exactly. Sure. It's can, like it just turns I could do it now, time. but, I mean, yeah, back yeah. then, there's no way. Um I don't, you learn to pace man, I don't know. Like I definitely had Mickey's where you'd mix it into a slushy, like a vodka and throw it in a, a Slurpee and smash that. Um, probably the most unhealthy thing you could ever have in your life. We were more of like shotgunning beers around a campfire and then like building like beer swords and beer canes and shit or staffs. Yeah. Type of deal. I did that you camping know, for like, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck, I lived in Camor. Basically, it's camping your entire life. Like, yeah. <laughs> where we where we partied was like, all right, go to, you know, QC, just some fucking shitty broken down cabin in the woods. Wow. Yeah. It's like, where party spot? <laughs> That's yeah. it, dude. Like, it's a different experience yeah. than I had in Red Deer. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, I probably went to like three house parties. It just wasn't a thing. We partied in the bush. <laughs> did, did you find that with weed, too? Like, what I said about trying to get as effed up as possible. Like when you're like 18 and get into a stoner phase, I don't know what your experience was, but it was like every time I hang out with my hung out with my buddies at that stage, it was like, it wasn't just like, yeah, I'm just going to get a little bit stoned and like watch some TV and like chat with buddies. It was like, how uncomfortably high can I make myself to the point where I like never want to do this again? Uh, like if you're just like a I don't know, like I tried smoking weed a couple of times when I was in high school, but it never really like did much for me. I never it really did it was until like after high school to clarify. Yeah, I'm talking like young adult. Sorry. Yeah. Um not I mean, yes, like I I mean I still do that. I, I did I smoke a ridiculous amount of THC. Like I'd smoke a half ounce of shatter a month right now. Like I, I smoke more weed than probably but most you know, people. But that's like your tolerance is high and you know your level. Like you're not getting fucking blasted every time what? you smoke i can i can go walk out of the house and do whatever i want and i'm fine i, I i'm fucking i took a dab of shatter before we started this podcast i'm fine um yeah i don't know it's just uh yeah i don't know dude it's a, it's it's a weird thing it's not like i'd recommend it to everybody um you've just been totally yeah, i don't know my question yeah but i dude i, I <laughs> guess like i tried to get fucked up when i was younger with like weed and, and alcohol but uh I mean, I still do on occasion. I just don't I mean, do it like with liquor and and I don't know, like back to back to back to back bong hits or like mixing in tobacco with weed in order to get you higher and shit. Like, I, I don't know. Or like taking a weekend and doing a bunch of mushrooms and acid, like never really been my thing. <laughs> oh, wow. This is taking a turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you ought to go there. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I've, I've definitely done those things for sure, but it's never been, I was never like the burnout in high school. Yeah, or, or college or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I partied in high school, but I was also like really busy with sports. So it was like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you That's party it. on the yeah. weekends when you're free. But and I think a lot. Yeah, of I don't even think like, I drank my first beer till I was like 17 years old, dude. I was a fucking nerd. I didn't want to do it. I thought I was gonna like ruin all my sports. That's how I was with weed. Honestly, like I was like, okay. oh man, like I was totally into the propaganda of like this shit will destroy your life if you have one puff. And like, don't get me wrong. Weed isn't my choice of drugs. Like it, it's just, it, it didn't do it for me in the sense of like, it didn't put me in a good headspace. I'll just leave it at that. So like, I figured that out along the way, but I find that so funny that like, I was totally fucking terrified of that shit. And Hey, I'm with you. I'm not saying everybody should smoke weed, like teach your own. If that's not something you enjoy or even want to try, Hey, power to you. Like, don't do it. But it's definitely not like, 
I mean, I'm, I'm sure it has the ability of destroying lives, but like, so does like alcohol. So does porn. So does literally everything. If you don't have self-control. Should we talk some hockey? <laughs> Forgot we're a hockey <laughs> podcast here. Yeah, we a little every every time we drink, man. Every every drinking episode, I've had little, a beer. I've been <laughs> I've been well, sipping. Okay, then I mean I'm not drunk. I wouldn't I wouldn't drive well, right now, but like I'm not drunk drunk. But like Kyle, if you've only had one beer, your your job is to write the ship, man. Like when you sure. and Brad got messed up, I I was there pulling us back. I'm in. scared of that. That's why I'm holding back. I don't want to be blackout on air again. That was yeah. Bad. But if you're gonna be like the the sober ish one. You gotta, you gotta guide me, man. Be my Sherpa. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Let's get back on topic. So NHL news. Got a lot to catch up on. One, Kyle definitely roasted me in our uh, predictions for the conference semifinals. So looking ahead to the conference finals, we have the Islanders versus Tampa Bay Lightning and Dallas versus Vegas. Man, you nailed that Dallas pick too. I was so confident that Colorado was going through. I mean, I was too. <laughs> I just picked it because I figured somebody had to win. An underdog had to go through. It was going to be Vancouver or Dallas. As I much as I wanted no to see that Colorado-Vegas series, everybody was waiting for it. <clears throat> Man, Demko just like absolutely gave vancouver a uh, hope in hell could you imagine if it was vancouver and dallas that would have been fucking insane and it almost was yeah but yeah that would have been crazy yeah. i still like even i mean vancouver seven, didn't deserve not, to be there yeah and like hey we're not trying to be salty over there's fans like credit where credit is no due. no no like, they just they just can hang with vegas far, i don't right? think we would have been able to either like vegas mm-hmm. is just such a fucking complete team Oh yeah, I, I don't think Dallas stands a chance against them, but Dallas has been proving people wrong all playoffs. So who knows? But I do think Vegas is gonna gonna take that one. Yeah, I I'm I'm definitely on that track too. But I mean, so I'm like I'm ninety five percent confident in Tampa. That being said, they also got swept by Columbus last year. So I'm like, hey, who knows what version of Tampa shows up? But, I mean, the obvious choice is that it's going to be a Tampa-Vegas Stanley Cup final, which I think would be an unreal series. But I'm going to say I think Dallas is going to upset Vegas. It's just my gut. I just, like, <coughs> I, I, mean, I, I can, no, like, see, They're getting so up. much um, play from players that you don't expect it from. Yeah, man. Like, like I mean, they're Radulov doing the definition of a playoff team. Still. I don't know. I like, think it's going to be hard when they have to roll against four full lines here. Yeah. There's a hard team to play in, uh, in Vegas, man. You know, I mean, they got over Colorado for sure. Um, and they had quite the lead on Colorado too, right? Like, yeah, they're up three, one. Yeah. Same thing Vegas did. Right. And both teams let the other one claw back. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I it'll be a good series. I, I think it'll probably go six games again. I think Dallas will probably give them a run for their money, but uh, but I do think that Vegas pulls through on that. The other side of the ice, I mean, it's hard not to pick Tampa. Um, I I got to root for Everly. 
Yeah. You know, he's, he's wearing blue, orange, and white again. He has a chance to win a cup in Edmonton. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to pick him just because because I'd like to see the Islanders there. But, I, uh, but yeah, very good chance Tampa pulls that one out too. I, I'd love to see Ebbs have success. Um, another guy in the playoffs, well, two, is with Dallas. I'd love to see Cogliano win a cup as well as Reggie with Andre Secra. Mm-hmm. The downside is if Dallas wins a cup, Corey Perry gets another one, which I don't want to see at all. So I don't know. That one's a, a bit tough, but I, I mean, Hey, I'm with you there. Like as far as, um, as far as the Islanders from, from what I've seen, Ebbs is still kind of struggling to have like a major, major impact in the playoffs. But I mean, I, I'm still a fan of Eberle and like, I'd, I'd be completely happy to see him win a cup. Um, the other, uh, sorry, looking back on the last series, Kyle, like, I don't even know what that guy's name is still, but that Finnish player that literally had played like 11 games with Dallas and had like one goal in the season comes into a game seven a hat trick. Joel including... Kirvanitana. Kirvanitana. I don't know, dude. So no name, right? Like I was gonna say, I feel like that's not even close to the pronunciation. Kiviranta. 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 Sure. Yeah. That sounds better. That's closer. That sounds yeah. Finnish. <laughs> but yeah, man. <laughs> hat trick and an assist and one of those goals is the game seven overtime fucking winner, man. That's insane. That's a that's a top headline for the year in my opinion and um who is it odd man rush i think on our slack chat on the thpn group chat posted or no it was uh um michael farley sorry the dallas um podcaster he posted that somebody edited the uh, that guy's wikipedia kind of like with like the normal intro line of like blah 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 is a Finnish hockey player that plays with the Dallas Stars in the NHL and then the second line is he is widely regarded as the greatest hockey player to ever play or something like that <laughs> I was like, that's actually I, I definitely got a chuckle out yeah. of that one <laughs> but yeah bro that's that's craziness yeah but that's exactly what the playoffs cause right like these storybook things to happen man and and that's something that I mean, even if Dallas doesn't go through, right? Like that's something a lot of fans will remember for a long time. Just that performance there, especially that OT goal in itself. I know. When did you start watching Oilers hockey again? I was during like their playoff run in the early thousands. That, that was when I like got really, really into Edmonton. And I had a bit of, I mean, we've talked about this before, but, um, both my dad and my grandfather were huge Oilers fans. My grandfather was uh, lucky enough to have season tickets to the eighties and uh, saw, I think two cups get awarded in person. Um, so it's a little bit in the family, but I was never a huge, huge hockey fan like that early on, but there's a lot of Oilers fans that still hold grudges against Dallas from the late nineties. And like, I, I remember, I remember those series, but I mean, I would have been like, what? like six to seven, eight years old. So it's not like I have that like huge fiery passion against them. But a lot of other fans do. 
I'm assuming you don't either because you got into them kind of afterwards. Yeah, I was after that time. For sure. I just if like actually, if anything, I kind of like Dallas because when I was a kid, that was the first team I cheered for. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy to see them have success right now as much as I hate Corey Perry as well. I really liked uh, Turco. Yeah. Yeah. I think I that was like actually the reason I loved them so much because of Marty Turco. Like, yeah. Like, I liked his pads. He was just really good at playing yeah, the puck, being which a I kid. was cool as a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he was part of that, like, huge generation of goaltenders in the mid nineties that so lucky that we got to grow up watching, right? Like Wabro, Durr, Hasek, and then the next kind of range of Ed Bolfer, Belfour, sorry. And, uh, and Turco, right? Like there are some stunners. Yeah. All those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. It kind of formed your opinion of, of goalies from a young age, I guess. But um, I did, I did want to move on. And I know this is a, a touchy subject that has been talked about a ton, um, but we were kind of a week, a week late to it. But I, I still want to offer my opinion because I think it's an important discussion to have. Um, Kyle, no pressure. I'm a firm believer that um, kind of teach your own on all this stuff. Like I, I don't have any ill will or judgment on people that haven't been outspoken about it. Um, but I, I'm going to give my take on the NHL sp- suspending play on the 27th and 28th. Um, first off, I have absolutely no problem with it. I know some fans were pissed off. I know some fans were very passionate that it was the right thing to do. I'm I'm a little bit more in the middle. I think, I think it was a good thing to do. I think there's a lot more important things in today's world than hockey. Um, I also respect the views of people where they look at sports as a distraction as well as podcasts. So I understand uh, some people listening might not want to hear about this, but this is something that I I feel like is important to discuss. Um, if you disagree, I respect that opinion. But um, as for the flack that the NHL got on the 26th, so that was when the NBA had quote unquote boycotted those games. The WNBA shut down some of their games as well, as well as the MLB. Now, I understand the flack from like a league perspective because I do think that the NHL is very slow um, reacting in a lot of situations like this. Not that there's really a ton of situations like this specifically, but you know what I mean? It's a fairly slow moving league. They're not all that progressive, but I think just from a, and I'm talking about like the head office of the league. I think they should have looked at that situation and taken that opportunity to show some camaraderie with the other leagues and, and some support for those other leagues. Now I don't think it's some like travesty that they didn't do that, but the one issue I, I do have is I saw a lot of people that were critical of players for either both speaking out and not speaking out. Now I think that the people that, are really critical of people speaking out. I I mean, I'll be straight up. I don't have a ton of time for that crap. Like, I think if you're a fan sitting on your couch and you have the mindset of like that quote with LeBron last year of like the shut up and dribble, or, you know, we want to see you play hockey. We don't give a fuck about this stuff. At the end of the day, you're supporting this player. You're a fan of their sport. And they have freedom of speech just as much as anybody. As long as they're not preaching hateful bullshit or 
spreading some really, really toxic stuff. Hey, make your decision and either listen to it or don't listen to it. But I just, it rubs me the wrong way when I see fans that are like, you see comments of like, oh, this is, you know, the last time I watched the NHL or like, oh, I used to be a fan of you, buddy, as this guy's speaking out about something he's passionate about. And I just like, you got to tip your cap to someone speaking about something that they're passionate about. And I respect that so much more than when I see like, for instance, when you, Kyle, you remember when the, um, I don't know if you're a big Instagram user or not, but when people were posting like the black squares in support for the black lives matter thing, did you hear about that? And I know about it, but I don't really use Instagram, but yeah. Okay. It's stuff like that, that it's like, don't get me wrong. You posting that. I have no problem with that. Like show your support, but it's such a, I feel like it's such a false thing that a lot of people do now. Again, some people do that for the right reasons and no problems there whatsoever, but I have a real issue when people are doing that for like clout. And that's one of the reasons that on our social media and on our podcast, we've been fairly quiet about this whole Black Lives Matter movement, racial equality. Now, it's not that Kyle and I don't have our own opinions and that we don't discuss this in our personal life, but... I'm not going to go on Twitter or on Instagram and put this like fake bullshit support out. Cause I think a lot of people that do that is just to make themselves look good. And they're not actually doing it for the right reasons. Now, again, I can't clarify enough that if you're one of those people that are doing those for that for the right reasons, and you're having those difficult discussions with your friends and your family power to you. But if you're some like Instagram influencer that's never had these discussions, never educated yourself, never thought about someone in a different situation that might get treated differently because of the color of their skin or their sexual orientation or anything like that. And now just because it's like a fad to show your support, you're doing that to make yourself look good. I think that's some of the most toxic human behavior there is as far as social media. Sorry for the rant on that, but that's something that just really pisses me off. Um, In closing, my personal opinion about this whole thing has been is the, the conversation and the discussion is the first step. Now, whether you agree with it or whether you disagree with it, what the NBA did, what the WNBA did, what the MLB did, and what the NHL did is they opened that conversation. Sports is typically a distraction. Now, what they did by suspending I would say play, Colin Kaepernick started it. Sorry, I mean... Most recently, I would yes. say him kneeling was talked as being a clown and a joke when he did it, and now four years later, there's... A hundred percent, you know, entire sports corporations that are shutting down. So. He, he kind of like cracked the shell of that walnut, if you will, for a terrible analogy, but you, you know what I mean? Where it's like, whether you disagree with it or, or, or agree with it, it got people that may not have had those conversations to have those conversations. And that's what that did. Now 
I think the next step after this is obviously some form of action and like you need a plan to actually create change. But my thing has been right from the get go is like, I'm not going to, excuse me, I'm not going to talk about this on our podcast. I'm not going to post about it on Twitter. Um, I have talked about it very briefly on Twitter, but not a whole ton, but right from the get go. I mean, as a white Canadian, I, I, I think it was something that when these protests started happening, I looked towards my social circles and, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to take some, um, credit here because a lot of people had reached out to me. A lot of my friends and family had reached out to me and discussed it and given their opinion. But I think that's where this, the step, that first conversation step is made. Sure. Does social media play an impact on that? Absolutely. But talk to people in your social network, have those difficult discussions about maybe something you could do better. Maybe something you've seen, maybe something as a collective, we can do better. I I think those are the important discussions that are difficult to have but are necessary to open the way for that next step of action now that that's just my opinion take it or leave it i know there's a lot of people like this is a controversial topic i know there's a lot of people that really just don't want this to be a part of sports i i just urge those people to actually attempt to have those conversations and i mean at the end of the day hockey's not going anywhere and even if you are one of those people that tweeted out, oh, this is the last time I watched the NHL, let's be real. You're fucking coming back. Like, this isn't something that's going to, this isn't the straw that broke the camel's back for you watching hockey. End rant. Sorry, Kyle. Do you have anything you would like to add? I mean, I think you almost hit every nail on the head. I, I just, I mean, it's like every other social issue. My issue is just, I mean, I have no problem saying Black Lives Matter, like not at all, right? I I think that the movement itself um, is obviously a good thing. Um, the corporation behind it, and and some of the things that that people are doing in support of that, um, uh, like burning down buildings or, or yeah. looting and whatever, like the crime of opportunity that comes through it. I understand that that's not not part of it, and a lot of that is is the media turning. Um, you know, what's happening into a grander thing. Um, I just, you know, you, you think of like the Martin Luther King protests and just how powerful they were with people just, you know, silent protests and standing together as one. And you've seen a lot of that. You see a lot of people um, kneeling during these protests and holding their fists up and, and standing as a unit. And, and that's what has success, right? Um, I just hate how emotionally charged people get right like uh i i wish people would talk more in person because that's where the the best communication happens like you mentioned talking online or or even you know you see sometimes you'll see a police officer go down to a group of protesters and try to explain their situation and it's just like yeah it's good to see it but like not a lot of good comes out of it because it's a lot of people yelling at one person who then tries to explain their point and then just gets yelled at and ridiculed for doing it right that's also just what you're seeing in the media though to to like build off your point there like you only see the drama in the media right exactly exactly and oh man it's like you know it's it's such a it's such a tough situation um overall right like i mean you have to be in support of it for sure 
Um, uh, you know, you want equality for all humans. How can you not? Um, I know in Canada, we maybe don't have as big of an issue um, with, um, you know, our, our, a black culture that has, um, has a hate upon, I think more in Canada, like our, our Native American or, or sorry, uh, First Nations First Nation, people, yeah. right? Um, like there's a major issue still with them in Canada. And I think, you know, they're underrepresented in, in this, but, but to, to say that it's all a good step in the right direction. Um, yeah, fuck dude. I mean, I, again, like I've said it before, I just wish people could be fucking nice to each other. Um, but like taking one side, um, where you're on the left, right. And you're calling for defunding of the police and, and some points like abolishment of the police and, you know, you're, some of these people are are not looking for equality they're looking for revenge right? right which which again i i understand like i get like you know someone hating white people i fucking get that dude like you know i it, for sure i but i mean that doesn't help any cause right it's the, the same situation with anybody you fucking go into a situation you yell at somebody you're gonna get their their backup and they're not gonna like you they're gonna you're going to cause a greater divide by going in somewhere and screaming at people. Like it, it's just not it's, the way it's to get the same thing done. as like, like here in Montreal, they're ripping down fucking statues over things that they did in the States, which I, I, I again get like Johnny McDonald, maybe not the best character in today's lenses. Right. But a historical figure a nonetheless. And if you don't like that statue being there, it, there's a path to get that removed. Yeah, You know, we have a diplomatic process. And if that's what you're in support of is a diplomatic process where we can get things done, then do it that way. I do not fucking support people rioting and like ripping down things because they think that's going to get their change done. It's the emotional fueled bullshit that I fucking cannot stand. Right. I support both sides of the matter. I, I you know, like there's cops out there that are raging douchebags, but there's also good people out there. Just like there's great people on black lives matter, obviously. And there's, there's at the same time, there's anarchists and people that are taking crime of opportunity from it. Yeah. It's uh, it's not a black and white issue. And a lot of people treat it as it is right. And there's a, there's a lot to it. I, I think that's the thing, and it, man, it's a complicated thing. And, you know, I think that's why having those constructive conversations is so important and realizing that both sides, like, and I mean, when I say both sides, I'm not talking about like black lives matter and racist. Like if you're a blatant racist, I don't, I don't think there's any productivity that comes from that, but realizing that both sides, whether you're pro the protests or anti the protests, there's reasonable pros and cons to both of those opinions and having those open discussions is what's important. And I mean, Kyle, I think you hit it right on the head when it comes to the rioting where it's like you, you can support, you know, racial equality and the black lives matter movement and, and equality for all minorities and all people of color, but condemn the rioting and the violence and the destruction that's going on. I mean, that's not something that, I mean, and like, again, you see a lot of protesters that do like if you look on YouTube videos of the riots or, or not riots necessarily, but the protests, anytime somebody tries to start shit, the vast majority of the protesters are fucking like either getting the cops to arrest that person individually. Yeah. They're putting a stop to it themselves yeah. as a group. Like the, the vast majority of it is peaceful. It's the media. You know, you you 100% know that there's CIA, FBI or 
cops that are in the protests as well that try to start shit. Like, I mean, that's a hundred percent a tactic. And, and yeah, so, I mean, like, it's, it's so hard to, everybody takes all the information they get at face value. So man, like fucking seeing a change. Oh my God. Like it's, it's looking like civil war is what's going to happen. And it's looking like it's been done by design down there. Yeah. Like it's one after another. These cops are often seemingly like maybe not innocent people, but in situations where there's people no need for a die. fucking knee on a neck or a gun to the back to be used. Yeah. And oh, man, I don't know. It's just and, like everything hey man, in that country right now. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm a Canadian. I know we are not, you know, the most like we don't have the, the, the most golden past, let's say. Right. But I'm yeah. a lot happier that I live here than I, I live in the States, at least for the time being right now. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough situation for sure. And I mean, it's, it's vastly complicated. And I think that's why, that's why it's so important to have those discussions. And I mean, I, I understand there's so many different opinions, but you know, you, you mentioning the, the kind of the state situation versus Canada. I, I think that's something that's um hugely important. And you know, I I think a lot of times as Canadians, we, whether intentionally or not, and whether media influenced or not. Piggyback off the US? Well, and we try and hide behind them. Like, especially this last little while, whether it be the social movements, COVID, politically, a, a lot of times you hear like, I mean, not to say there's anything wrong with what you just said, Cal, but very similarly where it's like, oh, I'm like, you know, at least it could be worse. And I think that's one of the things where it's like you hide behind chaos and you kind of like tuck your own problems under the rug. And and one one Uh, of the big things I would agree, but I would say at the same time too, a lot of people reflect off of situations that are happening in the U.S. and and overly think they're happening in Canada too. I, I know like I was proud to be a Canadian when I was younger. And still am because of what a melting pot this country is, right? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a very white part of the country, but I it, like I don't have a disdain for for any race, any person, anybody. Like I, I you know, I, I love everybody equally. I would have no problem being a friend to anyone, you know. And I think a lot of Canada is like that, and you see. I'm sure 98% of the people, 99% of the people in the country think the exact same way, right? Like they, they love everybody else, like their brother, but the media kind of blows this out of proportion. And, and nowadays with the internet too, you see a vocal minority has a lot more of a reach, right? And I don't know, I think that there's a lot more being scared in Canada than there necessarily needs to be. And, and yeah, sorry, you're right. Like we do have problems that we should be focusing on as our own country and be fixing ourselves and not be being you know, like at least we're better than them when they're like literally the fucking yeah, worst representation in the world. That was right my now. point. Like, but, are, are yeah. we a, a good free country that I'm very happy to be a part of and happy to be a citizen? Absolutely. I'm, I'm wildly mm-hmm. proud of Canada, but I mean, growing up and, and even in today's world, like, I mean, man, there was a lot, like, especially with, with first nations people, like there was a ton that, my opinion of them, although like 
I'm obviously like proud to say that I'm not like a racist person, but my view growing up was influenced largely of problems in the first nations community. And I mean, I was very recently with the COVID pandemic, lucky enough to work with the first nations community and getting to know, you know, a good chunk of people in that living in that community. It's something that like my view is so wildly skewed before actually getting to know, you know, not obviously not a good chunk of first nations people, but my sample size and what my experience was, was vastly different from what I learned or anything like that. And did you not have a lot of first nations uh, kids in your school or like when you played football, did you not have any on your team or anything? I definitely had some, but it was, it wasn't something that like, I mean, in red deer, Again, we we definitely had some, but it, it wasn't a ton, I guess. And you know, I, I when I moved to Edmonton, uh, one of my good friends and uh, roommates, uh, former roommates, um, is First Nations, and and man, like, grew up in a, a rough situation of of, you know, like a a low income single parent family, First Nations, and. And talking with him and and seeing some of the treatment he's received over his childhood and young adult life is, you know, I I remember having like drunken conversations. He's not a super, um, I don't think he would mind me talking about this. I'm not going to give any super specifics, but I'll actually see if I can get him on the podcast because he's a big Oilers fan. But um, I've told him multiple times after a couple of drinks, you know, he's not a super outwardly you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Emotional or he he doesn't divulge a lot of his like personal information, his thoughts. He's a little bit closed off at times. So after a couple of drinks, a lot of times he opened up to me about some of his experiences. And like, I've said just like the way he was treated by society and his family was treated by society growing up. I'm, I'm very confident that put me in that situation and I would not be anywhere near as good of a person as he is. And oh, I agree. That yeah, that's something sure. that it's yeah. like when you look at it, it's like, you know, like I'm not I didn't grow up in some like upper class, like rich ass family where I had no problems at all. But you look at the situations of other people and other cultures and everything like that, and like First Nations specifically in Canada, largely aren't treated as equal here. And I mean well, is it a complicated issue like, to solve? That's definitely Absolutely. our issue in but, Canada that needs to improve. And, for and sure. that's and that's what I mean when I yeah. say yeah. problems were sweeping under the rug where that's something that it's like, I, you know, I don't want to get political here. Like we're, we're talking about social issues. I'm not going to talk about politics specifically, but it's like, you know, if I can allude to it, like apologizing for it, it doesn't really do much, you know, like you need to actually solve those problems and solve the way people of color are treated and treated unfairly by you know, unfortunately still a lot of people in this world. And I mean, yeah, Kyle, like you, you had mentioned that there's a lot of like, you know, the majority of Canadians don't have like racist tendencies, but I mean, it, it also goes. Yeah. Sorry. I would just, cause you're not, yeah, maybe not. not I think a lot of middle Canada, there's a lot of that too. Um, well, and and just because you're not blatantly racist doesn't mean you're not, you know, you might not have tendencies that you hide behind. Like, so I don't know. I, I know this. Is a heavy I, I'm going to say just on like the first nations part, I was, I was very proud. Um, like the school I went to in Canmore, um, we had 
like a, I think it's one of the bigger reserves in Canada, uh, in between Calgary and Camwood, they're the Stony First Nations. And, uh, and we were, you know, they all came to our school. Um, they would, you know, obviously played on our football team, but what our team did is we would do practice on Wednesdays. We would go to, to Morley there and, and do practice, um, in their community. So like it, it I, I think it felt a lot of that or helped make them feel a lot more like they were actually a part of the team. Like we would go out of our way to make, you know, like ingrain ourselves a little bit in where they're from rather than keep them separate. And, and then when I grew up, like my dad owns the water business and I worked for him for a while and was, you know, fortunate to go work out on the reserve too, and got to meet, um, you know, a, a wide array of people there and, and man, they're, they're, they're beautiful people. Like they, you, you don't see a lot of them because you know, like they're, they're kind of hidden here in Canada. They're, they're kept to a reserve. They, you know, which is, which is fine. Like if that's what they want to, to be on, like they have their own community and that's great. Um, but you know, you get a lot of like what a lot of people's impression is like a homeless guy or whatever downtown Edmonton yeah. or something and it's easy to get a bad impression when the impressions you get are are not the good ones all the time right I mean it's it's no different than going to some shitty white neighborhood and taking that as your own impression of of uh of a whole culture right like it's it's unfair and uh and yeah I think it's getting better um not not as drastic as as you'll see black lives right now but but yeah, like they're, they're a culture that should be celebrated in Canada. They're, they're a huge part of our identity as a people. And, and it's, it, it is sad to see the way that they've been treated. Yeah. Like obviously. Right. Yeah. And, and I think so, the thing yeah. I, I found with my experience working with first nations or with that first nations community, especially in like the younger people, like they were so like, absolutely the kids similar. are normal they're fine i know man they're, they're and, and and that was the thing where it's like you know relating this a little bit back to hockey now i didn't play minor hockey when i grew up but i definitely heard stories being in the athletic community of hobima was a big uh first nations reserve in central alberta and and that was something that like i i mean hey i never witnessed any of those games but i heard some terrible stories referring to that community and that hockey team of you know more or less being savages and all this yeah, stuff where it's like at the end of the so day like again this isn't my first experience it's horrible yeah, yeah and like yeah. i i'd love to have like been there go see that firsthand to have my more opinion but it's like from the outside looking in i'm gonna bet money that those kids are just regular kids that are playing hockey they're you know the way they're taught and trying to play you know uh energetic like put your effort into the game, put it all on the ice as you do in minor hockey and minor sports in general. And then they're viewed as these like, you know, dirty savages trying to hurt our players. And there was I mean, a situation a really at my high school actually where a kid said savages. Um, but you can say that in a, in a good way, right? Like, Oh my God, dude, you're savage at hockey. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's not referred and, to them and in that way. I'm pretty sure it was it was during floor hockey, floor hockey or football, something like that. And yeah, he he said it as in like uh like a, a good way, being like you guys are fucking incredible, you know? And and of course, like it's just it's like you know, it's not the words you say. But no, but even it's I not Kyle, like he Kyle, knew Kyle, it, Kyle, right? But I mean it's just like 
when when I'm talking about what I've heard, it wasn't in. Oh, I know what you're saying. Don't worry, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not being like, oh man, you're a savage. No, I mean, I've I've heard that from from people I grew up with too, right? I didn't play hockey when I was growing up, but I mean, you know, they would talk about the native teams as being you know, dirty and savages and, and et cetera, et cetera. But then, then they grow up and half the time they're on your first line because they're the best players out there. Like, yeah, I mean, the skill level of some of those kids is, is phenomenal, dude. Yeah. It's something. And I mean, you look at like Ethan bear with the Oilers trying to tie this back to hockey. I mean, that that's one of the things where like in our preseason game going into the play in rounds with him being able to use that Cree lettering on the back of his Jersey, like, Man, that that's something like straight up. It, hey, maybe it's progressive to some of the more like older hockey minds out there. But I think that's something that should totally be celebrated and something that should be. Hey, if Bear wants to use that moving forward, I think that's cool as hell. Like, represent where you're from, represent your culture. And I mean, Kyle, like, I'll I'll kind of tie this back. I know this this conversation is getting long, and there's more we want to talk about. But unless there's anything else you want to add from someone growing up in Alberta, that's you know, I always had a tie to Quebec because my, my dad's father is from here. So a quarter of my extended family is from Quebec. And I, other than my grandfather, I really didn't know a lot of them growing up. And then into young adulthood, I had traveled out, you know, was lucky enough to travel out to Quebec quite a bit, spent some time out here four or five times. And now I'm living here temporarily. And it's something that like when you go to Alberta, Maybe it's something back in like the 80s and 90s when Quebec was doing the referendum to vote out of Canada. But there's still like in the West, there's still a lot like, oh, like, are you worried about how they're going to treat you out there or like anything like that? And I know Montreal is a fairly kind of like English washed city, for lack of a better term. But even my experiences in rural Quebec, no one has treated me poorly for not speaking French or not being from Quebec. Like... Sure. Uh, dude, the worst you'll get is just like a head shake, like they can't speak. And then like half the time I'll pull up my phone and I'm like, you know, I can translate it here if you can help me. And they're fine. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, and like, this yeah, is the yeah. thing where just a second, like no, when you. you look at the culture of, and the history of your people and your family, I can understand how if I was born in a rural town in Quebec, that was like a traditional Quebec family, learned French and, and was in that setting. I could understand how a bunch of people coming to Quebec and then not learning French and just expecting me to know English would kind of piss me off. Now I know a lot of our listeners are likely back West and might have their own views of their own, but the question I pose to everyone is imagine you're living in Edmonton and then all of a sudden a hundred thousand people move into your city from Quebec and just refuse to learn English. I've seen that, like not that specifically, but I've seen the way people react when your culture starts to shift. Look at how many offhanded comments you've probably received of like going to Tim Hortons and maybe there's a Filipino woman working behind and her English is a six out of 10 broken or whatever. And how, how frustrated people get where it's like learn English. If you're going to be in that situation, like that in itself is part of the problem where yes, is it frustrating a little bit, but trying to immerse myself a little bit in the French language, especially in a city like Montreal, where a lot of people speak English, man, 
it is a difficult ass thing to do. And I, I never grew up learning a second language and like power to those people. I think that's something that's definitely changed my point of view where I'm going to definitely attempt to have a lot more empathy for people in that situation where, yeah, maybe their English isn't great, but like, Hey, well, I guarantee and me and you their English are in a city where it's fucking easy to get by on English all you want. Like me and you don't, I, I mean, I hardly know any French right now. I can get through a checkout or whatever, but I've never had really like a need. I work in downtown Montreal where it's fully English. Right. And not to say that I wouldn't learn French. French. I just is... haven't had a use for it. But if I was moving to Germany, and everybody around me was speaking German, like I would be so fucking lost, man. Like I, you know, like you have to feel some sort of sympathy, put your feet or your shoes in those or feet in those people's shoes. Oh my God, I can't talk. Sorry. But, uh, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, that's all part of the issue, right? It's just having some compassion for the person next to you. Like that's literally what it comes down to. Like the, the, what you were taught as a kid, just treat someone as you would like to be treated. That's fucking it, dude. Yeah golden rule it's really it like you were taught that at one years old man like yeah. fucking learn it it's probably about time people no i, I man, i'm completely with you i think that's a great point to end this discussion um no and i i mean i know this is difficult for people to listen to or a difficult conversation to have but i i think this is part of the productivity of these movements and i think it's you know something that's important to do for the right reasons and have those discussions so Let's, um, on that note, let's move on. But, um, Kyle, I've got to say, I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. So Kyle, let's move to Arizona. You know, we, we've had a, a, a heavy conversation now let's get into have a little bit of fun, even though we, we don't hate Arizona. I mean, I don't, and I know you don't Kyle, but Arizona is forfeited or, more or less had their picks taken the this year's second rounder as well as next year's first for violating combine testing. Now that means that they have no picks until the fourth round this year. And if they resign Taylor Hall, they don't have any picks until the fourth round next year either. So especially with a team that's kind of the last couple of years had like an up and up. And then this year had some controversy their GM quitting slash getting fired. It's a tough ride for Arizona fans. Now to add salt in the wound. They were also, it was reported that they were late paying some of their player bonuses this year. Now I don't think this is a huge, huge deal, but it's not a good look. It, it is definitively not a good look. So we had kind of tied in. We were talking about Kemper before, wouldn't be shocking to see Arizona go into a little bit of a rebuild with a new general manager trying to kind of reset. And it's wild to think that just a year ago, this team was acquiring Phil Kessel and then acquiring Taylor Hall earlier this year and just seemed to be really making that push. And now it's like, fuck, what do they do? But being still in the Pacific division until the season after this upcoming one, when Seattle takes over their spot in the Pacific, you know, it, it is relevant to the Oilers. And I'm, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Cause man, th- those penalties are steep. I think it's hilarious is what my thoughts are. I'm happy that they're moving divisions still. Like I, <sighs> my team is just always in a perpetual state of meh. 
right? Like, I, I mean, yeah, Calgary's not better than them, but it's almost the same situation. Just a bunch of meh, you know? And yeah, like, oh man, a first and a second round pick over the next two years, that's, that's a lot to pay. That's a lot of development in players that you're missing out on now. And when your team, like, yeah, you have young kids that are starting to turn the corner, but like you kind of put everything out in your farm, as far as I know, is on the ice right now, right? Like, it's not like they have a lot in their cupboards anymore. Do you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I feel bad for, for Arizona fans. Like, Corey and Richie on the network, yeah. I know, have been a little bit. I mean, I don't mean this in an offensive way, but they've they've been a little bit defensive in the in the THBN chat, and like I, I don't blame them, man, because it's it's just kind of going from like worse or bad to worse for them, and yeah, I mean that that's a stiff penalty, and I mean I've I've got to imagine that I'd be really curious to see how they broke combine rules, and I mean wh- whether it was deserved or not you've got to believe that no teams are going to be doing that anymore. Like that's a stiff penalty to hand out. That's a big, deterrent. yeah. I like, Oh man. Like were they doing blood tests and like, how deep was it? Right. Yeah. Doing some or like genetic tests. Was it just like, like they how... came in for a physical? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I'd be really curious. Like, I really hope that comes out in the future, but like man, Batman, like literally, like he unzipped his pants and dropped them on the table and was like, no, no, no. I mean, it's what you need to do though. It's like, we're putting a stop to this right now. This is yeah. not going to play. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. You, man. you find a team like fuck a million dollars. Even they're like, well, that's just the price of doing business for scouting now, you know, and every team will start doing it. You know, Cal, the other thing, just when you talk about Arizona, like you go back five, six years and, and that franchise was, really in question as far as their future and the success in the NHL. Now for one, I think hockey in the desert, like I I really hope that they do have success. Like as much as like a Pacific division rival, you kind of look and you see them lose picks. It's kind of a ha ha moment, but I do genuinely hope they have franchise success and financial success, but you've got to wonder like when you, when you look at a team that might be, having a bit of turnover here, looking to rebuild, having some serious sanctions against them where drafting is by far the most important part of a rebuild. Now they've got some pieces they can trade for draft picks and, and go to full rebuild mode. Like you look at Oliver Ekman Larson, Larson has taken a, you know, a step back this last year or two talking. I remember talking with Richie and I believe as, sorry, don't quote, quote me, but it was, it was either his mother or his father passed away and similar to the situation. With I believe Adam it was Larson. his father. Yeah. I think it was yeah. the same thing with Larson. When we talked to him, I'm pretty sure that's what we talked about was his. Yeah. Cause it was I, like I the beginning right of last season and we were talking about Larson, like getting back after his father passing away. And, yeah. and I mean, that's a tough situation, but I mean, you've got to imagine he has value, even though he has a pretty big long-term contract. Um, so there is some pieces to move out if they do decide to go full rebuild mode, but it, it almost makes you worried as an NHL fan that it's like, is this a team that you could see move to maybe Houston or move to Quebec in the future? Like it's not something I hope for. I'd love to see a team in Quebec, but I look at Florida as, as way more of a better suit there. Um, 
But yeah, it's something that will be interesting to follow because I mean, if you fast forward four years and all of a sudden this team is in really tough financial situation, they're not fielding a competitive team. You could look back at this moment where this is going to be the TSN turning point where they went from having some good young players, acquiring Taylor Hall, um, acquiring Phil Kessel to all of a sudden, you know, in the course of a couple of seasons, really dropping off. So I, you know, again, I want to clarify that I, I hope that doesn't happen, but the pessimist in me really can't, you know, I, I'm tempted to go there where I, I could see it playing out that way, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, I, I always want Arizona to, to stay. That's the first team I seen play like at their building. I was in in arizona for my first game so i always have a connection to them but i would like if they had to move to houston i think that's a good choice i i think that they could very easily support a hockey team there um i have a hard time seeing a team come back to quebec city unless it's going to be a move like that with that price of the new expansion i i have a hard time seeing it go there or halifax like too small yeah. I, I always wondered, like, I know we've talked about it, I think, in the past, but if Saskatchewan could ever support a team, like, you see what they do with their CFL, and I understand that's obviously a lot smaller of a market, but my God, the stadium they have in the, in Regina right now is equivalent to a college stadium in the States. Those I think we were talking with Eric Friesen about that, who's an Oilers fan on the um, Oilers, uh, sorry, Oilers Now, no, Oilers Now is Stoffer, Oilers Live. And, um, we, we had that discussion way back. And I think the thing is just their population is, I mean, one too small, but also split between the two cities. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Quebec is gotta be the, the obvious. Quebec has the building already for it is, yeah. is the thing too, right? Like there's yeah. no need to build a new arena. It's done. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, again, I, I'd, I'd like to see Florida move there. I mean, they're not doing good financially. They're having a tough time fielding a good team. I think that's something that you could see, especially with Seattle being the 32nd team. I don't think you're going to see an expansion for a good another five to 10 years in the NHL. Um, just with having that balanced eight teams in each division, like that's something we haven't seen and, you know, is going to be really beneficial as far as parity, which is obviously a big focus for a sport like hockey in the past. But um our last two topics, Cal. I know we've run super, super long here. Um, in uh, in some bad news, Dale Howardchuk passed away. Um, I did just want to mention uh, a little bit and then and see if Kyle has anything to, he'd like to add. But uh, 31 Thoughts, which is easily my favorite podcast as far as hockey. I, I think uh, Friedman and Merrick do a, a great job of just informing NHL fans in general. But anyways, they're... Uh, episode about a week ago had come out and they have the um, Dale Howard Chuck's two sons on it, which I, I listened to it. I thought it was a great podcast. They talk about a lot of stories and just who their, uh, you know, who their dad was as a man and, and outside of hockey and everything like that. And it, it was it truly an inspiring um, listen. And the other thing with that, I wanted to mention is the Howard Chuck strong foundation. Um, I know Kyle and I were talking and we're going to look at, potentially purchasing a couple of their shirts and doing giveaways, just one for a, a good cause. Um, I mean, that that's really the biggest reason, honestly, is I think that's something yeah, that's we would literally mind it, supporting yeah. really like it's obviously, I, I mean, he's an absolute legend 
and based off the stories I've heard was just even a better person, um, really helping out people in need and be, being one of the best good, players uh, to never win a cup. Right. Like in his yeah. sport. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but being a real, real, you know, serviceman of his community sure. and really, you know, ser- serving that community of Winnipeg very well. So, and making that home. So, especially in a difficult, you know, Northern Canadian market. So it's a, yeah, a- absolute, uh, you know, tragic situation at such a young age and our, our thoughts definitely go to their uh, family and, and any Dale fans and NHL fans kind of everywhere. Um, but yeah, take a look at Howard Chuck Strong. Um, definitely seems like a, a warranted charity and foundation to support. Um, if you've got a couple extra bucks, I think their t-shirts were running at about 30 bucks. Um, but take a look at that and, and we are going to as well. Now, um, kind of an awkward transition here, Kyle, a little bit, uh, on the lighter side, but did you, you saw those Marsha's O comments, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm going to read them out for anyone that may have missed them or maybe has forgotten in the last week or two weeks. But, uh, Kyle and I swear quite a bit here, but, but forewarning, I, I do just want to give a heads up. If you're listening at work or anything, the, the language in these is one super immature and two vulgar as hell. Um, so mom or grandma, if you're listening, maybe just shut this one off right now. Um, so the chirps are super sick though, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, these made me lose my shit. I'm going to try and get through these without losing my mind. Okay. So on Instagram user Lil Dicky one, I'm assuming that's referring to the rapper Lil Dicky. Anyways, he had commented, how's the Olympic diving career coming? along since or sorry coming along since you like diving on the ice i mean like six out of ten chirp not bad jonathan marchezo himself replies at little dicky one shut the fuck little dick and go suck on your mummy's titties and stop wasting my time (laughs) 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 oh i can't do it man fuck oh shit (sighs) I honestly, I know it's immature of me to laugh. I'm not even going to get into the next comment. We're breaking this down comment by comment. Man, you are a professional NHL hockey player. One, just as far as the conduct of a professional hockey player, it's obviously a dumb fucking decision to say that. Two, hockey players are known for their chirps. That was some of the weakest shit I've ever read in my life. Like Kyle, that is some like 12 year old call of duty level chirps. I just, I'm honestly disappointed. Like it's kind of embarrassing how weak that is. It's no different than the chirps I was getting last night when me and you were playing F1 and buddy was like, tell me what color the lip shade is on your, uh, on my dick after your mom sucks at stuff. He's like, dude, <laughs> yeah. right, calm down Some, with like, the mom jokes, bro. Like, in his basement. Yeah. Like, that's what Jonathan Marzo <laughs> looked like. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so... No, it's... The, it's Kyle, this... But I'm sure there's probably a couple friendly pops that were uh, been drinking in the player's lounge that led maybe. to that for sure. There's no way and, that's and a sober this... comment. Maybe this fucking bubble is just making these guys go crazy. But Kyle, this is this next one's your favorite comment. So Kinda Taco commented a very simple, do you play soccer? <laughs> to 
Jonathan Marsh's own comments. Your dog is ug- is as ugly as you. Don't waste my time again. <laughs> and this dude's got a picture of his dog as his profile picture. Whew. I just, oh man, sorry. I'm actually like, I'm losing it a little bit, man. It's too good. <laughs> Your dog is as ugly as you. <laughs> just some guy that's just like, hey, do you play soccer? <laughs> I know, man. Like, imagine, like, <clears throat> imagine going into like a 7 Eleven and like the clerk is like, hey, man, do you play soccer? And Jonathan Marsh is always just like, Your dog's as ugly as you. Stop wasting my fucking time. Like, okay, how's your day, dude? Bye. <laughs> like, he was on a tear, man. I just, <laughs> again, just the chirps. Like, I, I can't. The the letter Kenny guys would be disappointed in Jonathan Marsh's out. That's all I'll say. <laughs> that that might be a recurring theme in our, our podcast moving forward. You might have to keep those chirps. Kyle says something dumb, and I'm like, your dog is as ugly as you are. My dog is fucking beautiful. Shut your mouth. Your parents have a dog? Uh, well, I had a dog for years, and when I moved back to Montreal, they they took her. She's a mountain dog. She wouldn't last in the city for sure. That's what happened to my cat. Shout out to yeah. mom and dad for taking care of my cat while I'm in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mom and dad. I'm sure Nikita's happy. Yeah, thanks, mom and dad. Love ya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, anything to add, or are we going to wrap her there? This has been a fucking marathon of a Let's podcast. Let's wrap her there. This is like stuck three this hours you've been doing this right now. I've been getting sloppy. I can like feel just the, not that our motivation is the listener count, but I'm like, if we're over like four people, Kyle, right now, I'll be amazed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shout out to out you here. four for sticking through. <laughs> let's let them go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we need to get some sleep as well. Okay. That wraps up another Oil Country podcast episode. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We hope you're staying safe, staying mentally well, having a good time, and looking forward to that Oilers next season after this offseason and draft. Um, coming up in our next couple episodes, we've got some uh, you know exciting guests coming up, looking ahead to the free agency, more of an analytical approach, as well as a draft episode eventually coming um, that will be you know, a kind of a a hot topic as that approaches after free agency. But again, thank you very much for listening and have a great week, everybody. I'm calling it right now. Aaron Dell plays for the Oilers next year. Why do you see that over there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Aaron Dell? Aaron Dell. Where was he at? San Jose? He is the backup for San Jose, Interesting. Calling it right now on this episode. Okay. Kyle's predicting Aaron Dell and Oilers Silks. Have a great week, everybody.